Welcome to Outlaw Radio, live with Zach Adams. My name is Zach, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia, called Calvary 316. If you're familiar with the area, we're specifically located in Winder, off of Highway 316. I hope you stay with me over the next hour or so. We have a wonderful show planned as we seek to deconstruct the negative perception that Christians that people have of Christians in this world by boldly and brashly discussing relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. Real Christians talking about real things in an honest way about the issues that matter. Now, one of the important aspects of Outlaw Radio is the desire to connect with you, the listening audience. It's important to get feedback. If you have any questions, things that curiosities about theology or God or religion, any questions really, questions that you want answered, or if you've heard something on the show that you're wanting to challenge, to push back against, is something that you want a, a, a larger explanation concerning, or if there's a topic you think would be interesting, something that you would like me to talk about, literally there's, there's nothing off limits. Outlaw Radio will talk about anything. There are several ways that you can connect with me. Several ways that we can we can interact with one another. First, there's always good old email. The easiest way, honestly. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Once again, that's info at outlawradio.org. If you're one of the billion people on Facebook, you can also connect with us uh, via our Facebook community. Once again, it would be facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. That's the easiest way to find us. Just go to your, your web browser, enter facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. You'll find us, like us, follow us, connect with us. You can post your comments, feedbacks on our page. If you're into Twitter, please find us on Twitter. Our handle is at radio underscore outlaw. Once again, that's Radio underscore outlaw. That's our Twitter handle. If you're interested in having your question played live on the air, you can call me at 678-883-3316 and leave a voicemail. Once again, the phone number is 678-883-3316. If your question is respectful, if it's pithy to the point, we may even play your question live on the air. A few weeks ago, We discussed natural disasters. We looked at natural disasters from all different angles. Hurricane Harvey had just just hit the Texas Gulf coastline, had camped itself over the city of Houston, Texas, had been dumping quite a bit of rain, and the flooding that resulted was terrible, was tragic. Only... Did we discover that in the weeks to follow, we've had more natural disasters. Another hurricane hitting South Florida, causing unimaginable damage. Aside from that, we've had earthquakes. There was an earthquake recently in Mexico, a large one. Wildfires in California, Montana, Oregon. I mean, people are really suffering. And and natural disasters... It's unfair to blame God because they're the result of living in a fallen world. Man's sin, man's rebellion against God has resulted in these things. We're actually told that the earth is groaning for its maker, that the earth itself longs for the day of its own restoration, where it will experience healing. These natural disasters, it's, they're, they're, they are man-made. Maybe not in the global warming sense, but in the sense of our sin. And it's in the, in the presence of these things, in the hopelessness of them, that we're to be reminded that this earth is not our home, that it's a temporal thing, that life is, is fragile. Natural disasters should cause us to get our eyes off of what's around us and onto heaven, that there is a home awaiting But natural disasters also give the church a unique opportunity to be a light in the dark world. Natural disasters and what results give us, give the church an an amazing opportunity 
to meet practical needs of those around us. In Houston, there's one church in particular that has done just an amazing job shining the light of Jesus to their world. And that's Calvary Chapel, Houston. The pastor's Ron Hint. As a matter of fact, we're going to take just a quick break and then we're going to have Pastor Ron live with us on the air. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outlaw Radio live with Zach Adams. One of the things we want to accomplish with Outlaw Radio is to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then seek answers on their own. The sad truth is that there are many Christians walking around representing Jesus with literally no clue why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to our show tackling the tough topics you might not hear on Sunday at church, we want to equip you, inspire you, and challenge you to study God's Word and wrestle with these challenging topics on your own. To aid you in this process, we want to share a resource we find incredibly valuable. Check out blueletterbible.org. In addition to a treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org has an incredible word search function as well as the ability to dive into the original language behind a text. Basically, blueletterbible.org simplifies the process where you can study the Bible on your own. Now, back to Zach. Welcome back to Outlaw Radio. It is an honor to have Pastor Ron Hint from Calvary Chapel in Houston with us on the line. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Very, very good. Listen, uh, for the audience's sake, just because so many people probably don't know you, are not familiar with you and your ministry, uh, could you just take just a second to start us off by by explaining how long you've lived in Houston, how long you've been a pastor, the church, etc.? Could you just kind of introduce yourself just a little bit to the audience? Sure. Uh, so I'm, uh, I've been here. My name is Pastor Ron Hint. Um, married, have uh, five children, three grown-up, and two young children that we adopted. And uh, I've been out here in Houston for 26 years. I came out, uh, I was a pastor for 10 years as an assistant pastor in California, felt called to start a church, came out here to Houston. And uh, like I said, 26 years, God has been very faithful. We are blessed. We have dug ourselves into the community. And uh, we're, we've been on the radio here in Houston for no, oh, at least over 22 years. Um, and so we have a local radio station as well. We're just blessed. You know, what can I say? And uh, God has blessed us in many aspects as far as outreach, missions, and so forth. How long does it take for a California kid to uh, become officially adopted as a Texan? You better do it immediately. <laughs> so, because they don't take a liking too much. You know, we, I mean, be honest, you know, uh, those who right. might be hearing from the coast, I mean, uh, the East Coast, West Coast is very liberal. The South is very conservative. And you come out here and you're California boy, they're going to, what, what good going to come out of California? <laughs> so, I Absolutely. always tell everybody the first word I said when I came out here, it didn't take long. I said, hey, listen, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. There you go. There you go. Well, listen, uh, to the topic at hand, can you tell me a little bit um, about Hurricane Harvey, the events of the last 10 days or so, how all of these things have just kind of played out from your unique perspective, just being on the ground? Yeah, from our unique perspective, uh, I'll just kind of share what happened. My wife and I were actually out of uh, out of the state. We were doing a conference, and we saw that the hurricane was going to hit here. So I, I left immediately. So imagine myself going to the airline saying, hey, I need to get in that ticket into Houston. Right. They say, why? There's a hurricane. I said, I'm a pastor. I need to be at my church before it hits. Amen. So we hit the ground on Friday afternoon. The bands of rain were already coming because it hit, you know, Friday night. We came into the sanctuary. I brought my, my two young children here. We hunkered down. We watched the rain come up. Unbelievable. Listen, I've been through Hurricane Ike that hit us directly seven, eight years ago. I've mm. done all kinds of relief, had it happen here. But I'll tell you what, this thing was just nonstop rain. It kept coming wow. and coming and coming so that uh, in within a day and a half, it's already up near the church. Uh, we At that time, it would probably have been three or four feet of water around us. Eventually, by the way, at the peak of it, we had six to eight feet of water surrounding the church. We were an island. So what happened really? was, wow. yeah. So what happened is that several of my staff members were able to canoe in. So I had about five staff members, myself and my wife, and then some people that got here were a few volunteers. So we had about 
10 to 12 of us. And now people are being rescued. They're either swimming in or doing whatever they, they can to get to the church. It's the only high ground. At our peak, we had 300 people here. So the 12 of us are feeding 300 people breakfast, lunch, and dinner with whatever we had on campus. We had 120 dogs. So imagine dogs and cats coming in. Uh, they're, they're you know, eliminating every kind of thing you can imagine all over the church and everything. So we kind of put them in one area. Uh, we actually had some people sneak in the sanctuary, sleeping in there, you know, with dogs. And we had three chihuahuas born in our sanctuary. <laughs> Unbelievable. This, uh, wow. Yes, it's crazy. So we, we could not get out. And I'm very, any people can get in, though, although we commissioned a boat. So during that time, we also rescued 50 people. Those rescues were... Uh, life-saving rescues. Uh, we went, for example, we went to one house. We got a call because we could get. We had electricity on, on top of that. Our church, unbelievable. And uh, what happened is uh, we get a call that we haven't heard from our grandfather. He's in the neighborhood behind you. Can you get someone to him? This has been three days now. So uh, two Marines that happened to be here uh, with us uh, went over there. Uh, you know, actually, you know, four Marines. They kick in the door and find a guy there unconscious for three days. He had actually fallen. He's 70-something years old. had fallen oh, when the hurricane heart. hit, been, had not eaten or drank anything for three days. So we revived him. They rescued him. Uh, wow. We had a veterinarian somehow make it here. So we used her to actually be a nurse for people that were injured. We had a fruit broken legs and stuff like that. So for four days, this just went on, this in, intense ministry. I also had the, the, the 12 people with me. We took shifts at night because we had people just off the street and everything here. So we took night shifts, rotation, to kind of keep an eye on everything. So that's so this the beginning. Was all, this, this was all unplanned. Oh, you unplanned. just happened. You went to the church that night with your family to just mm -hmm. kind of hunker down, take shelter from the storm. And then things just spiraled out of control. Yeah. You become an island, yeah. a refuge. Yeah. You have you have staff members canoeing in to help. Yep. And and all of this just happened organically. Yeah. That's that's the cool thing. And what is neat to see the character of the volunteers and staff of our church. So, I mean, since we've had this happen, we've had people that were here coming back thanking us. Thank you so much. Uh, I've had letters just in this short amount of time. I had a lot of them show up at church this last Sunday. Uh, <laughs> by the way, it was hit on Sunday. So on Sunday, uh, we, right. we couldn't have service. So what I did is I, I got our iPad connected with my IT guy by phone, connected into our live feed that usually comes from our church, sent out a text. I have a text that I can get a hold of everybody in our church with about 2,500 people. I text them saying, church will be on our website at nine o'clock. And I did a make a makeshift service, just me teaching the word of God via iPad. <laughs> Right. So in the middle, in the middle of all the other things you're now yeah we were doing you, yeah it was crazy it, I mean it, it, but it was good it's exciting so I we went on two hours sleep every day for f those four days just on the Holy Spirit power man <laughs> okay man so so you're doing you're you're feeding people you're a shelter you're you're taking people in you're this island surrounded by water you're doing rescues live rescues um, fast forward the story like like what happens. What happens beyond that? Okay, so now the, we had a miracle happen in our area because we have, uh, like I said, six feet of water all around us. I already know because I actually got commandeered a boat to check out my house to see how it was, which was miles away. And, you know, we're just, you know, just tops of trees. And then I come back. But anyways, what happened was when the storm stopped, this is amazing. We had the lowest tide of the year, first of all, just happened to be that, that particular morning. And then with the hurricane having gone to the other side of us, it sucked it out. So I watched, we watched six feet of water empty out from our area within eight hours. That's just unheard of. Eight hours? Yeah, we just watched it go down. So now the streets are open. So immediately I get on the phone with my friends, you know, all the Calvary guys I know. Hey, we, let's do triage like we did before. Get out here. Let's get trucks out here. Let's start feeding people out here. Within 24 hours... Uh, we also had Mercy Chefs out here. We contacted them. So within 24 hours that next day, we were feeding. The first night we we fed, I think it was 6,000 people. Uh, now we're up to doing 10 to 12 every day. We've been doing 12 to 10 to 12,000 meals every day. 
And uh, so we started doing that. We assembled teams. Now teams are coming from Calvary's all around the country, sending teams here. We're going into homes. We're mucking them out, cleaning them out, you know. So we've been doing yeah. that for a full week now. And uh, so doing that, taking supplies. So our, we have three branches of operation. That's, you know, you can't do everything. So you just kind of, what do you do? We feed. You, you have to pick, it, pick yeah, and choose. Yeah. Right? So we feed people and we're a distribution point also for all the local churches, small churches. So they'll put it in order. Hey, I need 200 meals. I need 300 meals. We have it ready for them. They'll take it to their distribution point, give it to their people. So we do that as well as feed anybody that comes on campus. The second thing is we do is people come in and I've got, you know, water in my house. We take out all their drywall, four feet, uh, you know, and below their carpet, their flooring, their cabinetry, take it all outside for them, let it start drying and, uh, you know, chlor, you know, get, try and keep the mold from going in with, you know, the, the spraying, the Clorox and all that kind of stuff. And then we take, we have a food pantry here, uh, which we feed normally, you know, hundreds of families a month. Right. But now, you know, we're doing hundreds of families a day. So with all the supplies, we've had 18-wheelers come from around the country, just loaded out there. And so we have a drive-through. People just come in, load up, keep going, you know. That's insane, a drive-through for food. Yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> wow. Listen, you know, I mean, the, the whole story, what God has been doing, how he's been using you guys, it's, um, I mean, it's it's just from an outsider's perspective, it's it's kind of insane just to, just to hear how all of these things have happened and how they're happening organically and how the Lord is just using you guys. And, and I'm kind of curious. Um, I've known you for, for many years. You've been a pastor for a few decades. You've, you've had experience with, a, with a lot of relief efforts, a lot of missions. I know you do a lot of missions, but I, I I'm really curious about how just navigating a situation like this in your own backyard, like how is this challenged or develop your understanding of just really the the role of a local church in its local community. I mean, you guys are meeting practical needs in just a very real way. And, and I'm just curious. I, I know you're you're still in the middle of the fire, but right. if you have you had a second to just kind of take a step back and chew on some thoughts, like how has this challenged you? Well, it's been both a challenge and a blessing. You know, uh, when it you know, when it happens to you and you're the one, it's, you know, it's devastating your neighborhood and your people, uh, that's the difficulty. And you see families displaced and it hurts your heart. I mean, I've, I've gone out to homes and I've cried. You know, my wife and I have done that. We've, we've cried. I mean, it's just, you see it. Well, and these yeah. people have lost everything and they don't have insurance because this hit everybody around here. So a lot of people didn't have insurance because they're not even in quote unquote flood zones, you know, uh, so you see that and what they're going to be going through, it breaks your heart. Um, and that's hard. And, uh, but the very, that, so that's the negative. The positive is it's right here. So guess what? You have people now coming to us. When do you get that? When, when do you get that opportunity? You know, that's, they're <laughs> right. coming to us. Can you help us? I, I, I shared this on Sunday, which again was our first normal service, which boy, we saw hundreds of more people in church, which is awesome because devastation gets their attention, you know? And uh, I, I remember people were saying this when they came to us in those first days, I got to get to church. I, I got to get to church. There's safety at that church. If we could just get to that church. And I thought, wow, what, isn't that awesome? How often do you get people saying, I got to get to church? So this is the mentality. I got to get to church. And now we also have FEMA lined up here. So people are packing out our place to talk to FEMA. So we're sitting them down. We're ministering to them as well. So they're getting a meal, talking to FEMA. And they're here. They're on our campus. So right. this is like, right. so even though it's been difficult and, and the staff, I, I cannot speak more highly for my staff. They've just, you know, they're going the extra mile. So we created, by the way, so you function as a church separately. You got to keep that going. And now everybody's also got an extra hat to, to wear. And, and so we've have a whole administer a whole org chart that we had literally created for this. We have a housing department, a vehicle department, uh, a mucking department, a, we, a whole thing. Everybody's because we have people coming in, teams coming in, all that. And it's stretching the staff. But I'll tell and you it's what. Just an all hand, it's an all hands all on hands deck. All hands on deck. But what I told them is, look, it, it's this first month. It's going to be crazy, September. But it, it's mm -hmm. worth it. Listen, we're not going to have this opportunity a year from now. Six months from now, this is this is our opportunity to reach out to our community, and uh, you know, lead people to Jesus. 
This is our time. I was just talking to our Spanish pastor uh, here, and he came out and talked to a lady that was here in line to get a meal and talk to FEMA, and then he just he led her to Jesus. That's what it's all about, yeah. brother. I mean, that's what it's all about. Bottom line is we can we can help them in their home, we can give them a meal, but if they don't accept Christ, then they're just they're you know they're, they've lived another day without Jesus. So if we can lead them to Christ, Amen. That's it. That's the touchdown. That's it. Amen. You know, so often uh, when we talk about the church, we talk about Christianity, when we discuss the, the missional aspects of the church, you know, the, the blueprint is that the church is to be a, an equipping and sending ground, you know, a yes. place where Christians come, are taught God's word, are equipped, and then sent into the community to do ministry. In the case of a natural disaster, it's, it's, it's almost as though, yes, that continues but the, the script flips, because like you said, how often do you have people in your community coming to you saying, we need help, we need our needs met, Can we're desperate, yeah. and, and, and to be able to meet those needs in a, in a very practical way. I, I want to ask, uh, just because you kind of mentioned this earlier, your home, um, the, your staff, like your, like, you guys okay? Is, is, was your home underwater? Yeah, staff members? so a couple things. We have uh, four staff members that were affected by us, so their house is, you know, the whole bottom part of the house is totaled, and uh, none of them had flood insurance because they were not in a flood zone, so we're going to be helping them out as we can. So that's devastating, and they're here helping. I mean, that's they're, they're here helping. They're taking care of their home, and they're here helping. What a testimony. I mean, it's a, a testimony. testimony. And we have other people in our church doing the same thing. They're volunteering. What are you doing here? Well, my house isn't, I'm waiting for it to dry out. And I'm like, wow. And then here's the other thing. Our house, my house, um, we had left it thinking, okay, it's just going to get flooded. You know, just, we got to go minister to people at church. But if it gets flooded, it gets flooded. We'll deal with it later, you know. And uh, we come back to our home. And literally two houses down the way flooded. So one whole area of my neighborhood, a little bit lower, I, I was spared. It came all the way up to our porch, and we were spared. And I'm so thankful. But at the same time, it's a, it's a weird feeling because yeah. I feel like, well, why me? You right. know, and I and I get I get kind of choked up right now thinking that too. I'm like, why 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 did I not have to go through this? And why does my brother? Why does someone on staff or someone in my church that they're just so neat people, you know, and why wasn't me? I can handle it. You know, some of them are older. I went to a couple's house and they're in their seventies, you know? And so you can, you can almost have this, uh, guilt and, you know, God is sovereign. We, you know, we just leave it in his hands. God had a reason, you know, obviously it freed me up to minister to people, praise the Lord. Yeah, truth. But it makes us either way, whether it's happened to you or hasn't happened to you, this causes everybody to, to shakes their foundation. What's important when it comes down to it, it's just stuff. It's just, it just stuff, stuff. Right? yeah. Well, in regards to um, your church family, um, obviously the area immediately around the church building yeah. was flooded out. Yes. Um, how many of of your members um, do you estimate have been flooded out? Yeah. What, what percentage? My estimate is. Uh, I would say right in the middle would be 35% is what I would say. 35% of our church. Because we have people that travel from different areas. But 35% is a lot. That's a that's lot. A lot I mean, that's a lot of people. You know, we have a, a fairly large church. You know, we're going to have, I mean, that might be, I don't know. what the, I mean, It could be six, 700 people uh, out of, you know, how many would call this their church home? Maybe 2,000, 2,500. I don't know. But uh that's a lot of people, and that's the way it is all across. This is not isolated. What I, I'm in contact with all the Calvaries that we have uh, around here, and there's uh, 11 of them that I'm in contact with, and they've all they all it's the same thing in their churches, and we're widespread. Some of us are an hour away from one another in many directions. Houston's a huge city, and there's flooding. In fact, I know of one church we talked to in the northern part of Houston. They're coming in a neighborhood helping them, and the water just went down out of their houses two days ago. God, wow. That's Listen, a lot I, of water. It's a lot of, it's a lot of water. In, uh, in the first episode a couple weeks ago of Outlaw Radio, um, just catching wind of, of how you guys were handling uh, this crisis, how your church was practically meeting needs. I, 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 I took a moment and I kind of contrasted it 
to a, a, a news story. It was newsworthy. It was all over the place. And that was really the controversy about Joel Osteen, who's in your community. Lakewood is the largest church in America. And they took a lot of flack for how they handled this crisis. And I'm just kind of curious, from someone who's a pastor in the community, do you have any thoughts about um, about the decisions that they made and the way that they've handled things? Well, uh, I will say this. You know, uh, I don't agree with everything that Joel Osteen teaches, to be honest with you, uh, nor his decisions he make. I think he made a, a – personally, I think he made a foolish decision. You know, he's come on since then saying why. Uh, but I'll tell you what. And there were other churches in our area that didn't do anything. So it's not just him. It's others. Of course, he's going to get more notoriety. Uh, but here's I, I, what I can say is this about what we thought. Listen, we had 120 animals. I thought it was 70 at the time. It was 120. And, uh-huh. and just as a pastor, you know, you're thinking you want the place to be clean when people come. I was, I was kind of like, you know, they're all coming in. And I, I mean, they're literally coming in. Some of them would just poop all, all, all over. That happened. Uh, they urinated. Uh, they smelled like wet dog and cat. We had guinea pigs here, too, that came and. And at first I saw that and I was like, I was a little upset, you know, just in my heart. And then God, and then I was like immediately convicted. I'm like, wait a second. These are people who cares about the stupid building? You know, I mean, yeah, we want to take care of it and we want to do that. But it's like, this means everything to these people. They got out with their lives. Their houses are destroyed. And it was just an immediate conviction. And it was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to put you now over here with all the pets and people have allergies. We tried to separate them. But that at least was our heart, you know. But, I mean, I'm just saying, honest, I had that I feeling at first. Um, uh, yeah. So when I think about Joel, you know, he's probably thinking about his beautiful building and all he has. And, you know, uh, and it changed. He probably got he got pressured, let's be honest. It was because of did. pressure. And that's why Absolutely. he opened up. And, you know, uh, Joel's a whole different story. You know, thought and all in itself. But so what I try to do is when I have all these other people, I can't, I'm not here to police the body of Christ. When I, right. I what I need Understood. to do is I need to be uh, a man of God and integrity. And I'll tell you what, what this really helps Zach is that in times like this, and, and I found this over the years being in ministry, you know, I, I, I love God's word. I teach it. I'm an expositional teacher. Um, I, 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 I have a, a passion for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, people don't care how much I know until they know how much I care. And It's uh, about people. It's, it's about, about people. It's about people. And, you know, uh, if there's any pastor listening to this program or other people, you know, they need to get that. And if you don't get that, you're going to lose everything because it's not all about, you know, having church beautiful and stuff. You know, it's all about the church is people. That's who it is. And we need to love on them and care for them. And uh, that's what I appreciate all the other churches that have come alongside to help us. They've come from different parts of the country. They've sent, or they can't do that. They're sending contributions and we're helping out people. And those are people that get it. You know what I mean? They get it. It's like this, we need to help because this is an opportunity and we reach out to people. And this is what bridges the gap, you know, or builds a bridge, I should say, to share with lost people. So let me, let me pull back the curtain just a little bit and, and ask you kind of an off script question. Um, I've been to your facility, and just so people know who haven't, it's a beautiful facility. I mean, you guys have have uh, have not skirted corners. You have just a, a God has blessed you with a wonderful uh, a building and and the facilities to be able to minister to people. Um, it's not shabby, and so there was there was when when you're talking about weighing the facility and 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 people and allowing pets. And knowing what all that happens, I mean, I think the audience needs to know that that there was a cost evaluation that you had to make. You had to make a decision. You had to weigh the cost of 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 keeping the building um, pristine and, and and in order and ministering to people. And and if if you may, and this might be a difficult question to answer, but what has been just the general effects of the facility? How has the fil- facility been affected? Um, just from the practical ends of ministering to so many people in such a short window. Yeah. Well, in the aftermath, and, and I got to give credit, this is where I, I begin to just, you know, praise the volunteers of our church is that, you know, right after when we had this window of time when the water subs, subs, you know, you know, went down and uh, 
I, we must have had, I don't know how many volunteers here, 100, 150, maybe more, coming in and helping us clean up the church. And they went to town. But let me tell you, I got to tell you, because you had water was everywhere because wet people coming in and out, we'd give them yes. towels just so the, all the carpet everywhere is wet. So now you got that damp smell. You've got urination smell. You got fecal smell. You've got, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm telling you. And then you had cleanser smell and it's all going on. We're shampooing, we're doing all the carpets. We're doing, it was like, it was an overload on the nose senses to say the least. Understood. But I got to yeah. say this. It, it's all back. It's all back to normal. It's just God. It's all back to normal. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's the Lord. But you know what? If it was going to be a cost and stuff we have to do, and I, I know we had to replace some stuff. We had to do, you know, there's some things that have to be done, but who cares? That that None of that really matters. Right. Anyways, in it, the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme yeah. of things. And it's such a, ble- I just so blessed to see our body thinking that. And, and you know what? Here's another thing. We, we don't have enough in our parking lot to, for our whole church. People have to park, uh, you know, if they come late, they have to park at a local school. Well, another thing I had to tell the church is we're doing all this work on our parking lot and doing all this cooking and all this other outreach stuff. It takes up a good third of our parking lot. So I told everybody in the church, okay, guess what? We're going to sacrifice. We're feeding people. We're reaching out to people. So listen, you're going to have to park at the school and even another parking place real far away and we'll shuttle you in. And you know what? It didn't stop people from church on Sunday. They get it. They have That's a wonderful. giving spirit. And it's just, That's wonderful. I'm so blessed. I'm so, you know, proud of the people that go to our church. They're, they're a blessing. You guys have been a testimony. There is no doubt about it. Listen, this past week, FEMA, and, and I don't know if you saw the report, but they concluded that churches that were affected by the storm were ineligible for disaster relief grants. Yeah. And it's actually led to a lawsuit. Three Houston area churches are, are filing a lawsuit on the basis of religious discrimination. And this ties back to a, a recent court decision by by the Supremes. Uh, my, my question with, with that in mind is, um, is what has been the federal response um, to Hurricane Harvey, the, the the federal response, FEMA got a lot of flack for Katrina. How has things happened here on the ground from your estimation? Yeah, and I was involved with Katrina going down there, and they did. It wasn't good. You know, a lot of people, you know, didn't get help. I experienced that with Ike when they were down here, and we had a lot of homes. We had people that actually had flood insurance, and they were given little. I know of actually one uh, guy whose roof came off. He had he had a cover, and he got no nothing. So nothing. so nothing. And but I mean they were given like, you know, hey, here's uh, 7,000 to one family. 7,000. I mean your whole thing is wiped out. That's nothing. So they did a poor job. I think they've learned from that. Uh I I see a lot better job being done uh this time around. Uh, they're really on the spot. Like I said, I've right here we've got FEMA agents all over the cities. Uh in our city they're they're there at the city hall, but we've got uh, on our campus, mm, I'd say 12 agents. And uh, so we got canopy for them. People can sit down, have a meal, and talk with them. And we, yeah, it's going so a lot cur- better. Currently, you have FEMA agents at yeah. the church property. Yeah, we just thought, hey, you know what? They're trying to help the people, and we're going to help with them. And this, and here's the thing. Of course, <laughs> I'm thinking the eternal thing. I've got a line of people hanging out. Now I get to sit and talk with those people while they're waiting in line about Jesus. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, don't you find it ironic that that FEMA is using the church facility to conduct business? But then at the same time, we'll discriminate about, yeah. about relief grants. Well, I got a couple things on this. So I, I got a I got a twist on that. First of all, you're right. Let's let's face it. But listen, this is what we've seen in all relief efforts. Everybody, if you want if you want the government to work on it, government, you're gonna get little to nothing. They they're never fast on the spot. Like I went to a, a I went to a, a city down the way from our area over here. It was an apartment complex completely forgotten by everybody. I didn't even get to the place till uh two days ago. We're there. This place is horrible, just horrible. Uh, all the bottom has been condemned. You you could see that they've been there and put the markings that they have put on there. And uh, but there was one little tiny Red Cross truck there, and uh, I mean one little tiny Red Cross for like three hundred people. It can't do nothing. And then I asked the people, "When this? How long has it been?" He goes, "They just got here today." So no one had been there two days ago. The first people. The there. Red Cross. The Red Cross with, yeah. with all their money. Yeah, and that. just had a little tiny little truck there. I'm like, 
And so I we immediately put them on our meal delivery. We're taking out meals to them and stuff like that. But whenever you have government involved, I mean, they do very little. All the money that people give and they're raising, if you give it to them, you give it to the government or a large agency, you know, 90% of it's administration, 10% of it gets the floor, you know. When, and, and you're saying that, uh, real quick, that that's a radical statement. So from, the, from your perspective on the ground, if you're giving – to one of these big organizations, oh, yeah. you're n- you're not seeing that play itself out never. in a practical way. I never have. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Superstorm Sandy. It doesn't matter if it's Katrina. It doesn't matter if it's Ike. You don't. You don't. So people give to these agencies. They need to be very careful. But when they give it to the church, how we multiply it. I mean, it, how God multiplies it, it's amazing. We get we get people shipping stuff free from us from all over the place. We have money. We're, and then we're actually putting it to use, all of that, helping out people, bringing meals, doing work. The church always does a better job. So here's the thing. And the FEMA, you know, so they're going to do stuff. Now, here's one thing I say about FEMA, the church. And okay. it would be nice. I mean, look at, I mean, so here's the thing. The city where I am at, the city, whatever work they're doing that I'm in, they're going to... For every person they help and they count heads, they're going to get money from the government. So the city actually calls me up and says, hey, how many people have you been helping there? Because then we can use that as our head count and get money for it. They asked us that. Now, I'll not, I'll not see any of it. But, of course, so, so it would be kind of nice. I'm thinking to myself. So, so, so they're making money on the ministry that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, But when it. it comes to... Uh, a grant to be able to rebuild facilities or, or meet practical needs. Well, they want to use you right. with no compensation. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, I will say this in a positive way. Now, I'm going to say this. So is this. Now, one thing that we do benefit as churches, though, is that we don't have to pay taxes. So that is a benefit. We always have to look at that. In other words, my I I, I have that benefit all the time. And so... That's a positive thing. Well, it, it's a positive thing, but when a church is doubling as a shelter, a food bank, a distribution center, a, a, a rescue, uh, a launching pad, I mean, it's it's insane. Listen, our time is, is getting close to running out, but I need to ask you, from your estimations, um, I, I want you to evaluate the needs of your community, and I, and I want you to do it in this way. I want you to try to extrapolate them out in, in a 10-day window a 10-week window, and then a 10-month window. Um, what are the needs? Where do you see things going in, in the immediate, near future, and then further out? Yeah, so the immediate has been, and that's what we've been doing, is uh, meals, uh, baby clothing, diapers, uh, um you know, just non uh, non perishables, those kind of things, and and those been meeting, and then uh, those people that have no place to go, that have their house. We were just in a meeting talking about this. They need to find a house that they can stay with, a family member to stay with, or shelter. And the shelters are closing up, so that's kind of a difficult thing. So the immediate was just meeting the need. Most people have gone if they have a two story home, they go to the second story. But if they're poor or they have a one story house, they go stay with friends. If they don't, that's difficult. What's going to happen right. over the next 10 weeks? Most of the homes are mucked out. We're going to be finish out all the major mucking within about a week. Then you have people's homes that, okay, it's all the water's out. My drywall's ripped out. Uh, but now what do I do? I've, I've extracted the mold. It's, I've kept it from going. Now what? Okay. Hmm. I, I'm going to have to sleep on a concrete floor. They have electricity. Electricity's all restored. So they got air conditioning, but they're a concrete floor and they have no furniture. You know, if they had a one story, they lost everything. If they had a two, they, they could take everything. it up. So what do I do? Well, first of all, whatever money we get from the government, that's yet to be seen, right? Um, so unless they had, you know, how many people have a lot of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars hanging in the bank just to go buy all their stuff? Most don't. So Most are living paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. There's no, there's no savings for any of so this. So the reality of is then the next, you know, I would say the next, starting at the next month or so to the next year, this is what people are going to be dealing with. The reality is how much money do I have? What do I rebuild? And and let me tell you this. I've, I've met some people that have a joyful perspective. Uh, one couple I talked to, uh, you know, they, they said, well, you know, we're going to get some, we have a little bit of money. Uh, we could probably get our flooring in here and the, the, the sheetrock up. But as far as furniture or whatever, 
you know, we probably have a little bit, but, you know, uh, the husband looked at his wife. He says, well, at least my wife gets to go shop. She gets to go shopping. She can put in whatever flooring <laughs> she wants. She get the furniture. Right. And, uh, and then he said this, and I've heard other couples say this too. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's a good way. Of, you know, sometimes we just have a lot of stuff stored up. We're going to, we're downsizing and we're going to have what's essential, what's important. So there are those that are going to, that are going to look at a positive end, but there are going to be those that are going to be devastated. And this is going to go for a long time. Um, how many, how many, you mentioned this earlier, um, but just for the audience, you know, I, I didn't know this, but um, how many people that were flooded out didn't have flood insurance? I mean, I, I'm not familiar with the topography yeah. of, of, of Houston, but, but we just kind of assume people have insurance for these things. Yeah. Can you try to contextualize that for the audience? Yeah. First of all, Houston is a very spread out city. Uh, you can go from one into another an hour and a half, you're still in the city. So it's very large. It's the size of many counties, uh, the city itself. And uh, so when you have flood, some people, everybody has house insurance, home insurance, that, but that just covers wind damage and so forth. But to have flood, that's a different thing. That's a rising water. And only few areas that are low lying are required to do that. So uh, right now our estimates are, and they have heard 186 up to 200,000. So let's say we have 200,000 homes in Houston uh, that are totally destroyed. Um, out of that, we're probably talking only 25% had flood insurance. So 75% of the people are in the situation, that's, like we said. That's incredible. Incredible. So where do you, where do you see, um, where do you see the city of Houston going, you know, 10 months out from here? Like, well, like, where do you see your church? What will your church be doing? Um, well, 10 months from now. Here's what I'm going to say. I think downtown Houston and the businesses, they're going to do fine because of all, all the politicians, that's where a lot of the money is going to go that floods in. It's going to make sure that they get their infrastructure and keep their city run. The city, they're okay. going to do just fine. It's the right. suburbs and the real people. Now, the real but, people. But our, yes. our church, I think we're going to bounce back. I think we're going to do really good. I, I'll tell you why, because people help people and the church helps the church. And so that's one of the things we'll start doing. We're going to be moving into a phase ourselves when we're through this month of these things that we're doing right now, we'll move into uh, adopt a family. And so we're, I'm just going to come to the church and the body and say, okay, how many of you are in this situation? Sign up over here. And for the other of us, you know, the other 70% of us or 60%, uh, those of you who want to adopt a family, adopt a family. And I have other churches that want to do that. I already have my good friend out in Jersey who's gone through Sandy. He was one of the spearheads, Lloyd Pulley in Old Bridge. And he's saying, That's hey, wonderful. we'll tell our church we're going to adopt a family. So what does that mean? Well, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to provide all their needs. We can't do that. But it's like we can call them every week. How are you doing? We could pray for them, follow up on them. Hey, maybe meet some practical needs. Hey, we got some extra money. We're going to do this. We're going to adopt a family. And, and then you're going to recover together, you know. And uh, as a community, as a community, and it's it's beautiful. It's a it's going to be a beautiful thing. And you think about Acts chapter two when they were first saved. They said they had all things in common and so forth. I don't think they threw all their stuff in a big pile and say, "Now we got to make sure we have equal share." (laughs) I think it was more like what we're talking about. Hey, how are you doing? What's your need? Hey, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. That's that's community. That's what we do. That's koinonia. It's it's life sharing. Amen. It's, It's 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 living with one another for for the audience. Uh, for someone that might be listening, th- their hearts moved. They they want to give. They want to volunteer. They they want to they want to help you doing what you're doing. Um, what's the best way uh, for people listening right now to support Pastor Ron Calvary Houston? You guys as relief effort. Well, first and foremost is just pray, right? Because we need divine wisdom in everything we do. So number one is prayer. Um, secondly, on a practical issue, whether it's financial giving or volunteerism, anything like that, uh, you can just hop on our website. It's Calvary, calvaryh.org, calvaryh.org. And you're going to open up, and we've dedicated the whole thing to what we're doing here. There's just one big banner. It says Calvary gotcha. Relief. You click on it, and then it'll, have you, it'll give you all the things that we do and whatever you want to do right there. It's all there at your fingertips. How much of a donation goes to overhead? Uh, 
Well, very little at this point, you know, very little. I mean, we're just boots on the ground, you know. We're just, right. that's what we're doing. Oh, and by the way, let me say this. We, ha- we had a, a good team of Marines show up here. We have a bunch of Marines in our church and four Marines, and I don't know how they did it, but they got a whole troop over here. So we've, we've had Marines helping us, serving alongside the Marines. What a blessing they've been. Uh, I think we're going to get some National Guard are going to be coming out here with us as well. And they're just teaming with us as the church. Not the government kind of pushing the way. They're just, hey, how can we help you as a church? Isn't that a blessing? That is a blessing. So it's it's calvaryh.org. That's the web address that people can go to to give or to learn how to volunteer, et cetera. Yes, that's it. Calvaryh.org. Well, listen, Pastor Ron, I, I know that you have uh, a lot of things on your plate. I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Outlaw Radio uh, to share your thoughts I hope the audience has enjoyed this conversation. And brother, you'll be in our thoughts and prayers, man. Thank you, Zach. And I really appreciate you and your ministry as well. And uh, people are blessed in your area to be part of your church and what God's doing, of course, through your radio station as well and through your, I mean, through your radio program. So thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we'll be right back uh, here on Outlaw Radio. If you're in Georgia listening right now in the greater Athens area, and you don't have a church home, we encourage you to check out the church that Zach Adams pastors, Calvary 316. Not only would you be hard-pressed to find a collection of people more real and genuine about their Christian experience, but the entire outlaw radio culture of grace flows out of the ministry of Calvary 316. Keep in mind, Calvary 316 is a church that's relaxed and uber-contemporary, but is unapologetically believer-focused. We focus our service on teaching the Bible in order to see Christians grow and mature in their faith. To learn more about the church community or to access Zach's sermon media, please visit calvary316.com. Once again, that's calvary316.com. Now, here's Zach with the last part of today's show. Welcome back to Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. What a treat that was, really. I'm so thankful that Pastor Ron took the time uh, to join with us, to share his thoughts. Uh, man, so much to, to chew on, so much to marinate on. I just can't get the picture out of my head of he and, and his wife and their two kids taking shelter in the church. The floodwaters rise. The church becomes this island of refuge. Just picturing pastors, the assistant pastors canoeing in, and then they're just this setting up this. I mean, what what a what an awesome awesome thing that God is doing through that church and through Pastor Ron's leadership, and and uh, what a heart for Jesus. What a treat. I, I want to take just the the last minute or two we have left to once again remind you that if if you're looking for a way to help. Um, check out calvaryh.org. As a matter of fact, during the break, I pulled it up myself. There's three ways that you can help. You can pray. Oh, you can pray. And don't they need prayer? But beyond just praying, you can do something practical. You can donate. You can go to their website. You can donate. You can go to outlawradio.org and learn how you can donate. Please, if you can't do anything other than that, send a few dollars to put, uh, to put food in a mouth, uh, knowing that every penny of your donation goes to meet a need. Uh, and then on the website, there, there are ways that you can volunteer. Uh, th- they list that their current needs are anything from home cleanup, mucking, as Pastor Ron described it, uh, to food service, pantry volunteers. Uh, the current needs listed are, are baby car seats, booster seats, cleaning supplies, cat food, non-perishable food items, toiletries, paper goods. There's a whole list on the website of things that you can send uh, to, to bless the folks that are suffering. Well, our time, like I mentioned, is quickly running out. We set it all aside to, to talk with Pastor Ron. I'm so thankful that God places men and women like Ron into these communities to be his hands and feet in a practical way. And I just encourage you to look for ways in your own community that you can meet the needs of those that are suffering around you. Well, you've been listening to Outlaw Radio live with Zach Adams. If you like what you've heard, please check out our website, 
outlawradio.org. We have a full-length 30-minute program. We have a two-minute devotional program in addition to the live show. Also, you can check out the website and learn all the ways that you can connect with me. Uh, Email, Twitter, Facebook. I hope you join me again next week. God bless and much grace. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available both on iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org or leave us a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Again, that's 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you'd prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.